to another episode of Black Girl Fly. I'm Tanisha Nicole. And I'm Tashawn Dixon. And today we're going to be talking about something that no one ever really wants to talk about. But it happens to everyone. Everyone. Like literally, this is going to be in point in all of our stories. And so we thought it was important to talk about it. And that subject is death. And how do we prepare you know, you really can't actually prepare like for the act of it happening, but you can really prepare your financials, your life, your family so that things can be a little bit less confusing yeah. when they're going through that trauma and grief. But let's just not talk about that trauma and grief. Let's talk about, too, what you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. You know, what are mm-hmm. they going to say in your obituary? Right. And so I think that this topic is so large, but for so many, especially in the black community, we don't talk about it till it happens. We don't talk about it, but it's a funeral home on <laughs> every corner <laughs> in the hood. It, it is. is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So one thing you, it's so, so funny that you said that about the obituaries, like what is going to be in your obituary. I, in college, it was one of our assignments in our really? class to write your obituary. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> How did that turn out? It's it's a crazy, crazy exercise, but the whole class was actually about death and dying. Okay. And I took it at a medical school and like, they just wanted you to, it was a very interesting. <laughs> it was very interesting. I've never heard of a class like that, but okay. Yeah. I mean, and in the medical context, it makes a lot of yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Like you have to talk about it every day yeah. and you know, their experience with death and dying is a little bit different than I think yeah. us normal So was people. it more about like teaching empathy and things like that? So that was one of the angles, but it was okay. also about your legacy. Like when you, think about your obituary like what is it that you want people to say about you or what is the lasting impact that you want people to have yeah. and so it was a conversation of you know looking at our lives that way as young what 19 20 year olds like yeah. it was a huge assignment and it I would recommend literally everybody do that I'm probably gonna institute that in our next retreat <laughs> oh god I got another assignment yeah okay yes. Okay, so so when you talk about that, what did you decide that you wanted in your, in your obituary? And is that the same today, looking at that from, you know, 30s compared to that 19-year-old? Yeah, I would actually say it's pretty similar. Like, I still have very lofty goals around, like, making an impact in education. It, to me, it actually is really a bio, you know, like when you think about all the things that's, well, that's in your professional bio. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, of course, there's some things about family and who you're leaving behind, which I think is a very important component. You know, I had it out in there that I was married and had kids. I'm still okay. working on that. So the bio portion is what you're still struggling with. <laughs> but like, I mean, but, I, think, I mean, the family portion. Well, yeah, I do struggle with that part because I go back and forth between whether or not I want to be married and whether or not I want to have kids. Yeah. So that part, I think, has fluctuated a lot. But in terms of my professional goals, I I think that they're still in the same realm, although I've taken quite an interesting yeah. path. I was going to say, for <laughs> me, I think I've always had this idea or this purpose in me of like affecting young people like me. Yeah, I've had yeah. that from the very beginning, but throughout my life, I've tried to attack it from many different, different angles. Angles, yeah. And, and so I would say that my 19-year-old self would have said that. And I think that that's still true today. That's something that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. And so do you feel like in every one of your professional decisions, you've no. pursued that, right? No. That's what I was going to say no. for myself. So, so what what I've come to realize, especially through having some of the discussions that we're having, is that I have probably up until, I want to say probably seven years ago, I always separated 
my professional like career from my purpose. Yeah, um, me too. And and my career was about attaining financial stability. As if, if the two can't live be. together. Yes. <laughs> right. and, and, and so that's, that's a little bit about what brought me to Black Girl Fly. That's a little bit about how I've started to evolve my thought into understanding that there is this security component that I'm trying to maintain and, and feel right. good about. But then I have to, in order to find my everyday acceptable, in order to f- be fulfilled in what I do on a daily basis, I have got to interchange that purpose into it. Yeah. I mean, you're basically giving part of yourself away. Yes. And a large part of yourself. A large part you of yourself. You spend more of your waking time with the people you work with than you do with your children than you do with your spouse, than wow. you do with your sibling. Wow. Like, and we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think now, now is the time, you know, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but like now more than ever, we're seeing people who are able to marry their passions with financial success or mm-hmm. financial stability. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Black Girl Fly, this is the perfect time for us to be having this conversation and coming to these realizations, you know, and I encourage other people to, you know, take a look at, you know, your situation so that you can pressure test it. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And and I think we're in a new age. There has been a lot of studies about like people who are happy in their career and how much more successful they are than people who are not happy. And and what you'll find is that with the internet and and all the things that we've done, being able to streamline and and have more of a global economy, if you're passionate about something, you can be so much more successful. You just have to figure out how to monetize it. Exactly. And I feel like that's the part that I don't know if they teach you that in business school because I did not go to business school. I went to business school (laughs) and uh, no, it was not there. I also went to get my MBA. And it, you didn't learn it they, there. They either. didn't talk about that because I'm like that. I feel like that is the key. Like once you figure out what you enjoy doing, what you're talented and skilled at, like if you can find a way to monetize mm-hmm. that, definitely. Like and just put your monetization hat on, and like that is what we should be taught. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to get too far, but so so what I'm gathering for the first part of this conversation though is that you determine what's written in that obituary. Yes. That, that you have to be cognizant of the way that you live and what it is that you're taking on to really be able to to have a story that you feel good about leaving behind. Yeah, the story that you're writing for yourself. <laughs> and I I feel like we just, you know, many times people just go through the motions and, you know, as opportunities present themselves, like we just take what's available instead of going after intentionally the things that we want in our story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually was speaking with Mr. Benga and he was saying that so many times in, in our life we live one way and we view ourselves in another way and we don't realize that people view us view us in a different way and your brand of who you are is actually making sure how you see yourself is the way that you are reflecting and that other people are capable of seeing you. And so it's just being cognizant of your actions, uh, of really taking that step to make sure that you're in alignment. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. I mean, as we really back in to talk about like this in the context of death, for me, this is personal part of the conversation is like I really started to think about this stuff again after mom passed well I was thinking about it while she was living mm-hmm. um so when my mom passed 
she was having this conversation with herself mm-hmm. and with me <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but it was about, did I do what I wanted to do? Did I leave the imprint on the world that I wanted to leave? That's funny because that's what I was asking her. <laughs> I was literally like, yo, is this is this what you want us to remember you by? Yeah. And yeah. me and her were arguing about it. <laughs> she was processing it with you. Yeah. And she was like, okay, we're going to do this, do this, because I got to make this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's funny. So, so, so thinking about that, though, one of the big things I want to make sure that we touch on is, is really the logistics about mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of time I've seen personally been in, in, in a situation where like for my mom, we knew that she would die soon. And I, and I still feel like I was not given enough information about everything. Right. <laughs> what I, I tell, I tell people like, there is no manual, and maybe there is actually if we Google it. But like, there needs to be legit a tech. A Should we come up with a manual? We can come we, up with a checklist. That's a great idea. Add that to our list because, <laughs> like, there needs to be a checklist of all the things that need to be taken care of. Like, you know, you need to close bank accounts if that person was renting. You need to close that out. Like, you need yeah. to situate. And what are the legal everything? parameters? Like mm-hmm. in my mom's case, she died. She was on the lease and she had roommates and people living with her. And I had to, I had to like put one person out. I was like, okay, mom died. Right. She had a lease, (laughs) right. Our phone situation. Yeah. Like she was a primary account holder. So on your phones, if the primary account holder dies, even though we have family plans now, they can check your phone off. Yep. You will no longer Um, have a plan. So, so another thing too, like bank accounts, if you leave money in a bank account when a person dies and you don't have access, like that has to go through probate. Yeah. Like, like there's a lot of stuff that you just don't understand how hard it is and having to make sure that you can take care of the funeral arrangements or, um, how's the house. And even stuff like DNR, like do not resuscitate like that. If the person has not made a decision on that, the next of kin has the power and authority to decide. Yeah. Yeah. And that in and of itself is, you know, that's a life or death decision in some cases. So, and that was actually hard. So in the case when our mom died, she actually in earlier conversations, when she first became sick, she told me, she said, Hey, Tashana, I want them to resuscitate me if something were to happen. Um, But in watching the progression of her cancer, I realized probably only in the last, three days that if we were to try to resuscitate her, she wouldn't be her. She wouldn't. Um, that she didn't have the uh, brain, uh, the capacity to be who she really was. And so I actually had to make the call. Like literally I made the call two days before her death. Yeah. And I was like, no, we're changing this. We are not resuscitating because this is not who my mom was. And I couldn't make that call. The only reason I felt comfortable making that call is because I had, talk to her about life and what that meant and right, and had right. those kind of discussions with her and she didn't realize in the discussion that we were having that that would be the information I needed to make the decision right, right. but because we were close in that way I have no regrets I, I completely know that that is what my mom would have wanted yeah and um, I mean in her final days she she wasn't even herself then, yeah. you know? So yeah. even if she was to be back in that state that she was before she stopped breathing, like that wasn't her either. Yeah. And so, I mean, she couldn't even speak. Right. Yeah. So 
So yeah, that these are some of the decisions that you have to make. And I think we're really going to make a manual because, I mean, just based on our experience, I would like to research to see if there's something out there because that would have been really helpful. Yeah. Um, like figuring out about hospice. Yes. That was a yes. big thing. And yeah. understanding what that means. And, and stigmas around hospice. Yes. And like, you know, we were, we did do hospice literally for like two days, yep. um, but it was in-home hospice. And I'm really glad that we ended up I doing that. Rather and than, I didn't understand that when she was, yeah. when the lady came by to talk to us. Yeah. I didn't um, realize that you could, it was, she was basically like a nurse, you know, mm-hmm. who, uh, RN or RNA. What are they called? RN. No, the ones that come to the house. They're still an RN. Well, they have a name. Okay. <laughs> CNA. CNA. That's not a nurse. But, okay. <laughs> but that's usually like the people who would come to the house. Anyway. Okay. So it was a nurse who would come to the house and like, you know, basically change change a diaper if that was needed, go to yeah. the bathroom, bathe her, things like that. You know, things that were just a little bit more overwhelming for us to do. Like she would help out basically because we weren't sleeping. <laughs> so it was just nice to have another helping hand. Yeah. It's not necessarily a facility where they, you know, doping you up on morphine and just waiting for you to die. Yeah. But but in that, though, I, I did want to talk about is this is such a hard time. You are losing a loved one. Mm-hmm. And what makes it more complicated is when the, those loved ones have to make decisions because they don't know what decision you would have made mm-hmm. when it's just so simple. Yep. Is writing it down. Yep. Just, I mean, even everyone always says, and especially in the black community, when people die, pe- family always break up because it's about money and, and all of those things. And I actually had a scenario where my family member actually does believe that I did them wrong financially in my mom's death. And if it were written and said, right, hey, right. this is all the things that I asked to do, then it would be more understood and be more clear. Yeah. And I think it would alleviate some of those pains as well. Yeah. And I think... What you what you said a little bit earlier about having those conversations, I feel like not like families don't even you know you don't even have to have conversations about death, right? Yep. Like many families don't. Okay, if you can't do that, talk about the things you value about life. Yeah, right. So that people like you can make some type of discernment based on the conversation that you've had, like you can say for sure, 100%, like I know that this person valued X, Y, and Z. Therefore in their death, I know that they would want this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was cool too. Like even planning. So we had a celebration of life for mom. Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't want no funeral. I don't want no people (laughs) who I ain't seen (laughs) crying about the time they didn't spend with me. Right. right. Um, And it was beautiful. Yep, yep. So know that. You have to know that. We did not do the church. We didn't do the dress in black. Like, that is not what my mom wanted. Yeah. So. Yeah, but and I think my mom would have had a ball at her celebration of life. Yes, so we (laughs) threw a shindig. Okay, it was. It was a lot of fun. We had open bar. Yes. <laughs> it was like everyone dressed in all white. And yeah. like it was, you know, all of the family members like contributed something. You know, some people did the food. Some people did like decorations, a, decorations, right? Collages, photos I had never seen of mom or like hadn't yeah. seen in years. And yeah. like there was a lantern ceremony and everyone was able to contribute something so that they could have that piece of closure that they needed. Yeah. And I, I thought it just came together beautifully. Yeah. And in addition to the celebration, my mom wanted us to. <laughs> oh, so she wanted us to travel together and yes. dump her ashes in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So the funny part about that is 
her ashes weren't the most important thing. Is she said, I want you guys to learn to enjoy life and not take it so seriously. Yep. And she said, so the responsibility is to have a group of us mm-hmm. <laughs> go and do this together and to really have a great time and drop her off on the way. Right. <laughs> and I think she meant for that to be an annual thing. So <laughs> your girl is trying to reinstate that because it was a lot, a lot of fun. I'm really glad that people were, who were able to come out, like we had a blast and we had a little ceremony where we were able to dump the ashes. And the, and the cruise lines are very, like, accommodating. In yes, it. It's it's, yes. it's the thing that they do. They actually gave us a plaque that shows us the exact coordinates where we dumped her yep. her remains. And they allowed us to pray and, and to just be together in a secluded space yep. to do this. It was really cool. It was cool. beautiful. Yeah. I Thank you, cruise line. Y'all may not be around after the <laughs> pandemic, but... I mean, it was just a really, really beautiful experience. Yeah. And they definitely facilitated, you know, the professionalism and everything that went around that. So grateful to them for, for everything that they yeah. did. Um, if I had to, uh, to sum it up, though, guys, is death will happen. And it doesn't have to be a sad conversation because if you've done everything in your life to drive that message in that obituary, you should be proud. Mm-hmm. You should know that you're leaving a legacy and that you are leaving behind things that you have pushed into the world and and given the world and your family and everyone that you love will be better off if you help them prepare for that moment. Yeah. And I'll just add on and say, everyone thinks that your legacy starts after you're gone. It does not. It doesn't. It's really all of the things that you're doing every day, the little lights you're shining in people every day. That is really your legacy. I do have to say so quickly. I know. (laughs) But uh, that that made me think of Tanisha would say to me. So with my daughters, we, we, we started talking about like legacy and whatnot. And she was like, like, I'll do little things. And she's like, is that what you want? your kids to remember of you. And and it is. I mean, it's true. It's it's the things that you do every day now make up that legacy that you're leaving behind. And that's what I would tell mom. <laughs> be like our interactions, <laughs> this is what you know me. <laughs> she was threatening her though, but <laughs> I just liked for people to be aware. <laughs> but no, it really is. It's yeah. the it's the actions that we take every day. And I'm saying that out loud because I need to constantly remind myself yeah you know like it's that that's what it's all about so yeah so is that it for the episode i think that's it so until next time guys i'm your girl tanisha nicole and i'm tashana dixon and we are black girl fly Fly.